you coming to work back in the day you'd answer the phone at work oh hello you know you not quite like that but you put on your office voice um, and it's not it's not even you put on it that makes it sound like it's affected but it's nice you have an office voice but then you're down the pub with your friends all right mate you know you're you sort of go back into your this sort of thing um you're at the sports club you know people have different registers and ways of communicating with different people and this, yeah. this is not a, a bad thing or a fake thing in any way it's just mm. the way you react you talk to your family in a very different way mm. you know you have a way of talking to them and it's the same as we write and we, we communicate via facebook versus linkedin versus uh you know instagram they're different sort of mediums although it's all social media that was Richard Harvey, linguistic and IT expert, and this is the Travelling Optimist podcast with Steve Odie. So I'm here this morning with Richard from Farian, who's our, in fact, he's our IT guy, but he's got a first in English language and linguistics. I never right. knew that. So what is the difference between descriptive and prescriptive? Yes, uh, so we will talk about prescriptive uh, grammarians or a prescriptive grammar is one where it imposes a system of grammar upon certain language. And we have to have prescriptive grammars in many ways in order to understand because we have much ambiguity in language. When we're talking face to face, we can uh, disambiguate things sometimes because we're using dialectic measures. We point, we show, we look, and we use our eyes and expressions as well as part of the language. But then when you're actually writing language, you have to keep to certain forms in order to make things understandable because you don't have the pointing or the visual cues uh, that are available when we're talking to each other. But a prescriptive grammar, you know, it defines things that things must be like this. So you're prescribing it or they should be like this. What linguistics tends to be involved with uh, modern linguistics is a descriptive grammar. So that looks at different ways of, well, actually, these people are talking or communicating in a certain way. Let's describe that. And one of their big issues in linguistics, one of the big uh, drivers in linguistics is trying to find a generic, what we call a grammar, trying to find commonality among human beings across different languages. So we might, some languages, I'm sure you've heard in Africa, use things like clicks and all sorts of wonderful, weird noises, which we just sort of think are crazy, but actually to them are very meaningful, very rich and semantic. But can those, are there systems, Is they look, they look for a universal grammar, uh, but a descriptive grammar. So mm. something that describes the human ability to, to, to communicate and speak. It's one of the decisive things that makes us human above other animals. Uh, you know, we occasionally you'll get things about monkeys being able to communicate or have they really or they've just been taught a behavioral mm. uh, thing of language. Whereas humans, we have or they believe we have a, an innate capacity to, to communicate in language. So I've witnessed chimpanzees communicate and a lot of it is, is verbal and it sounds quite aggressive. But actually, it's not very, it's not aggressive in their world. It is to humans. But a lot of their language is done by facial expression. Yes. Yes. And eye movements or yes. a, a tweak of an eyebrow or something. Yes. And they, they do communicate. There's, there's this more, this sort of is, you know, real language. They communicate their needs. And says, you know, sort of, I want food. I need, you know, I'm the, I'm the big alpha male. Um, I'm, I want you as a female, this sort of thing. They communicate that. But are they really communicating thoughts? Like we, we will sit here and chew the cud about a stage play mm. uh, or about we, what, what we watched on Netflix and we'll analyze it. And we, we, 
we talk about things in different ways. We have conceptual levels, which animals do. I mean, they have emotions, but do they do they really communicate? There's a massive argument about the chimps as well, because people have, have they really been taught? Would they have learned that on their own? Mm. So they have their own communication system and their hierarchies and, you know, within their clans, etc. But I guess a lot of people believe that the differentiator for humans is that we actually do have this innate capacity to learn. Mm. Um, look, I, I, you're, you're testing me on my linguistic science now. It's been a while <laughs> since I, I've done this, actually. I'm surprising myself how good I sound. Um, but uh, there's these tests on deaf children who, who for many years, you know, people were horrible to people with disabilities or, you know, I don't like using my disability, to be honest. Um, but, you know, they, they would get shoved into a school. And they, I, I believe it was Puerto Rico, I think it was. These kids would just get shoved into a school mm. and were just left. And with no uh, stimulus, no input for, of language from anyone, uh, they were just sort of put in as all, these orphan sort of deaf and blind kids or deaf kids. But they would gen- they would create a meaningful language which was more than table, chair, food, mm. you know, it, it, it was, it was meaningful and concepts mm. uh, semantically rich, you know, so, and they developed this on their own innately among themselves. So is that, they were communicating feelings? Feelings, thoughts, yeah, uh, emotions. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, I, you'll have to pin me down on this, but uh, uh, it's, it's been a long time since, uh, 20 years since I did my degree. So, um, but yeah, you know, the, the, this concept, so it's, it's very sort of, provoking evidence in a way that actually we are there is this capacity that we have and it's an innate capacity that even they call it the the argument the poverty of the stimulus so you know some other kids will if you bring bring up children in a multilingual uh, family yeah they will speak both languages perfectly yeah uh, so but if you learn we learn a foreign language as a bit of an adult they, they call it the critical period around puberty time our brains sort of change a little bit and we lose the capacity to pick up phonetics and the sound. Mm. Mm. We can, even if we learn a language and the tests are, you know, the different parts of the brain that are used. So there's the part where the normal language is mm. and children who learn multilingually will, it will be in that part of the brain. Mm. If we learn French or German as a foreign language as an adult, it, it's more in the memory part of the brain, the psychological yeah. part. And so we don't, we, we've remembered it. We haven't, we're not native speakers of that. And mm. it's very rare for an adult to be able to make the, to sound correct yeah. in a foreign language. We always, you know, we think we sound great, but then, you know, it's a bit like us, you know, we, how we think Germans sound when they speak English. There's always that yeah. sort of really bad. Whereas, you know, children that grow up multilingually, they, they speak perfectly. And it's, it, it, the, the argument again, it's in a slightly different part of the brain. That sort of gets closed off, or they believe gets closed off mm. uh, at what they call the critical period around puberty time. Mm. It's not impossible. Things, you know, there's always an exception to the norm, but that's generally uh, the, uh, the the way it rules. Yeah. Have you have you used your English language skills in business? Yes, very much. And I think and I think we were discussing earlier, weren't we, about the, the way you can communicate, especially social media these days is. Is massive. It's it, we can't ignore it. If you want to advertise, that's actually your pretty much your go to these days. You can't if you're a local business. You're not low. You're not advertising in the Crawley Observer because where is it? You know mm-hmm. who who even buys it? I haven't bought one in years. You mm-hmm. know it's so. How do I get my company's message out there? You have to be on. Uh, you have to be on. Uh, you know you have to be advertising on uh, uh, Google and doing your social media sort yeah. of stuff. And there's different. I guess in linguistics there'd be different registers you use because and it's similar to this. You know 
you coming to work back in the day, you'd answer the phone at work. Oh, hello. You know, you not quite like that, but you put on your office voice. Um, and it's not, it's not even you put on it. That makes it sound like it's affected, but it's nice. You have an office voice, but then you're down the pub with your friends. All right, mate, you know, you're, you sort of go back into your, this sort of thing. Um, you're at the sports club. You know, people have different registers and ways of communicating with different people. And this, yeah. this is not a, a bad thing or a fake thing in any way. It's just mm. the way you react. You talk to your family in a very different way. Mm. You know, you have a way of talking to them. And it's the same as we write and we, we communicate via Facebook versus LinkedIn versus, uh, you know, Instagram. They're different sort of mediums, although it's all social media. So, um, yeah, I mean, I very much, I like to, I try, I guess I'm talking now, I'm talking on, on a microphone in front of me, but I'm trying to slow my speech down a bit. Whereas if you see me when I'm geeking <laughs> out about a computer, you know, I, I go wild and my, I'm gesticulating and as you just told me to not tap the table because I, I sort of get very animate. That's the way yeah. I am. I, I talk sort of thing. So I guess I am consciously at the moment slowing myself down because yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I keep looking at my, th- actually don't, you know, don't get too excited. And I guess we all try to use that. And when you're communicating in business, you want to, how do you get a message across mm. in the end? You, is, is it that elevator pitch? You know, how do I actually, when you know your stuff and you say, actually, this is a really good product or I know this product. I want yeah. to, actually, I think it will help you. Mm. I'm going to give you a bit of love and share that product with you and tell you why, but you want to not oversell it and not sort of, not, not sort of get into people's faces, I guess. So. No, but how communicating properly is a massive unlock for a business, isn't it? Because yes. a lot of businesses yes. that don't communicate properly with their customers. I think a lot of businesses don't communicate with their staff. One of the things I used to love from when I learned, they called it the study of pragmatics. And, and, and this is, I never, I used to think it was rubbish when I did the degree and I learned about it. But actually afterwards, I, it was, we have this thing like, especially in, in English, we sort of do it a lot. They call it face threatening. We hedge what we say. Mm. So nobody will just tell you, and sometimes not, you don't have to be blunt, but you can sort of say, look, this is what I want. This is what I need. But people sort of half say something yeah. because they're hedging their bets. And it's, it, they're not hedging their bets, but they hedge what they say because they don't want to be face threatening, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, in some ways it's sort of nice, but some ways it, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it yourself. Someone will send an email to someone and you're sort of in on the thing and you're like, oh my God, this is just a disaster because you know that then that person's not going to get it. And it's going to, and it's like 12 emails later, everyone's, yeah. it's caused a major political thing. Everyone's yeah. a boss is involved. It was, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And actually, if you'd have just sort of been a little bit clearer, instead of yes. people, this sort of 10 second fire, get it out of my in-tray, get it out of my in-tray, where actually it causes... It's sort of exponential, isn't it? The amount of work it causes, and it's it's not rocket science. If you'd actually just simply sat back, oh, actually, if I took two seconds or twenty seconds to write something a little bit more yeah. thought thoughtful, yes, then actually that person would get the the message, yeah, and then they would they wouldn't waste their time or doing the wrong thing and then coming back and then everyone getting all wound up sort of thing. And I think, yeah, of course, it's the same with your clients as well. You want to again look concise and clean and know what you're talking about yes but i I guess we are we all we all suffer from it you don't want to look like you're stupid i guess well there's yes you don't want to look stupid (laughs) yeah you don't want to look like you don't know what you're talking about yeah but sometimes it comes across that you are (laughs) no i'm only joking but yeah yeah yeah. with that what you've got is and i i I was told this uh, piece of advice quite a few years ago rather than writing an email and just sending it straight away particularly if there's things in there which could be slightly contentious or 
you know, yeah. is just sit, sit on it for a, a few hours. Yes. Don't send yeah. it and then revisit. And then all of a sudden your, your, yeah. your mind is, your mindset is slightly different and yes. you're looking at that email and in a, in a different, at a different angle. Yes. And you're like, glad I didn't send that one yes. the first time. Sort of and you thing. rearrange yeah, yeah. it and you yeah. might think, well, actually, there's no point in being wishy-washy like you were talking about. And just, you might as well just get straight to the point. Or you might have to be a little bit more diplomatic. Yes. And, you know, adjust it accordingly. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. I think, yeah, it's, I mean, sometimes you don't always have the time in a busy day. You've got 200 emails to answer. Things that have got better in a way with our more modern sort of communication using Teams, using Messenger, using these sort of things. But there, there, there is that lack of face to face. I think we're going back to that, that, mm. that where we don't have these dyctic cues. We don't have the visuals mm. with the context. We lose the context sometimes. And so you have to be a bit more careful. You actually do need a little bit more, bit more care around your grammar about what you're saying. Mm. Like, it's like saying, if you could step back and sort of, actually, if I was to read that coming in to me, mm. stuff you, you know, you could, you could, it's easy. You could see yeah. how that could be. It would escalate, wouldn't it? Yes. Quite yeah, quickly. yeah, yeah. Or somebody then, or they've got like, it's not, I know I'm making sort of, sort of turn, I'm going to extremes, but people could have a seething resentment of that email. Yes. Or it can be, yeah, basically people are like, why, why is he crawling up his, you know, sort of thing, uh, instead of because maybe you were a bit careless in your wording. Mm. And instead of like, well, actually spending that few seconds extra or maybe putting a minute into that means a reduced amount of work for everyone. I or think. better still. Go and see that person and talk to them. Yes, of course. Sometimes, yeah. And I, I mean, I think with this working from home sort of thing, I just wrote an article myself about this and, and how it's actually, it's one of those things you haven't, I can't just come in there or, and sort of say, Hey, Steve, I've got this crazy idea, you know, but it's not even, I don't lay a crazy idea onto you. I'm just sitting there. We're talking about something and you, you spout off something and you say something. I bounce, you know, it bounces off and you go off and you come next time and say, Oh yeah, by the way, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm. it's, that yeah. sort of slow ticking idea process yes. that you can't even, even, you know, as informal as we try to make these Zoom meetings and team meetings and they're mm. fun and we can chit chat, you know, we can do the messenger type chatting, mm. which is sort of good, but you, it does sort of get a bit formalized, doesn't it? And it's, it does. you have this moment now that we're going to, okay, we're talking about this in this Zoom meeting now with, this is our idea, but you don't have that sort of free flow bouncing around. Perhaps it restricts that sometimes. Um, yeah. Do you think then that working from home suits certain roles, whereas there are certain people in certain jobs that would just need to be in an office with other people. Yes, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I'm, I've done for many years done IT contracting. So you go into a place and generally you're lucky. If you, if you get a desk, you're lucky. If you, if they give you a laptop, you're lucky, you know, and you're, you're sort of, if you do get one of those, you're down in a server cupboard or you're down by the toilets or something or, you know, you're real estate poor sort of yeah. thing. So I'm used to that. And it's, I tried, I would always try to not try to impose my, desktop rules or my sort of insights for me it's, it's good for me to try and how do they do it because yeah. it, it keeps me sharp i'm able to to be agile with that i think some people yeah i think there is a personality of people that you just want to get out of the door mm. you know and, and there is for me i find myself i'm lucky i live very near to my office here so i can you know actually i'll just go to the office and do it because i if i sit at home mm. even if the kids have gone to bed or no one's around or i'm in a quiet space I'm still, I'm like, actually, the TV, you know, you just, you just find all these excuses and stuff, don't you? I, well, I do. So actually, for me, it does actually, even though I'm used to remote working, I, I like to come and 
come to a certain space. Um, I think there is some people, there is that career progression as well, isn't there? There's the politics mm. yeah. of works. And we all know, oh, blooming blo- blo- politics, hate all that. Well, actually, people, a lot of people thrive on it and they love yeah. it. And yeah. they want to, there is office games, I guess, you know, and bigger mm. organizations, people. There is a competitiveness, I guess. It's uh, Some people like that, don't they? Yeah. I mean, particularly yeah, yeah. if you're in a sales environment, you yes. need that. You yes. Need that, don't you? Yes. And yeah, because everyone's firing off of each other. And, the, you know, the board up on there with your ticks and, the, you know, how many of you got this week, how hot leads or whatever your funnel methodology yeah. is, it's it's very important to make it happen. I can I don't know how that would work. I'm not big salesman. I'm a technical man, really. I don't have to I do don't think sales, it, but well, it depends, really. If you're a, if you're field sales, I think you could probably do it because you're already doing that anyway, aren't you? You're working from Perhaps. home or in the car or whatever. But, but do these people sort of funnel in sort of once a week or? Yeah, perhaps it's the same model for them. They can just sort of almost yeah. funnel in to a sort of team meeting once a day, once a week, or whatever, and you get together and people are. I guess there's that method. Yeah, it's yeah, a strange, isn't it? I think that that kind of feeds back into the loop of communication. And if you're in a an environment where you're speaking to clients, then you can almost adjust your. And I think this is what you were trying to get at, weren't you? And I'm trying to sort of link it to work. Or business is that you you adjust your communication levels to that particular client or customer, don't you? So that's where people that do really well, I think, make a massive difference and add value, don't they? Yes, no, I agree because I think IT is a good example because everyone's at a different level. Mm. So, and to you, what is the simplest thing? Oh, you just do this. And then perhaps that person is like, oh, okay. And then actually, you, you've got to look in their eyes and see the glazing sort of thing. And it's like, oh, they switched off after the second <laughs> sentence. You know, you're like, okay, maybe this guy isn't getting it. Maybe this girl isn't getting it, you know. So maybe I need to – but then, then that's the challenge to me. That Yeah, it's like you say, how do I be a good – because my, my job is to – here's a bit of IT that I think can help you. Mm. Or you've asked me, we want, mm. we want this software, we want this hardware. Okay, so I could come in – and sometimes it works for me to sort of blind them with science because people say, oh, you know, Rich knows what he's doing. You know, just, <laughs> just get on. Yeah, fine, Rich, get on. That's fine. And, which is fine. You just get on with it. And I give them a little bit of waffle, but they, you know, it's, it's, they're happy for me to get on. And in the end, it works. For yeah. Them. And there's no, you know, oh, there's a slight problem here. We come back, we tweak it. Yeah. And they see, oh, okay. Yeah. There was a little problem. Fixed it. That's yeah. what you want. Nothing's perfect at, at the start. But you do, and the thing is, yeah, yeah. You, you do, and, and you, you find a way to that yes. makes it work for everybody and uh, you yes. know your client, yeah, and, yeah. and ultimately the way that you communicate with that client is is then reflected on um, how they feel about you and the, the, the business they give back to you, isn't it? Yes, no, absolutely. And it just sounds corny, as, sounds corny as well, but you do business with people. Mm. You know, in the end, it's it's, you know, it's... Yeah. I think we tire of, I think that I'm a small business. So I try to, what, what's my unique USP? You know, it's, well, firstly, I do business with you directly Mm. and I, what's, I try to understand what you, Mm. what your needs are Mm. and stuff. And so sometimes that's, we have a one time thing, you know, you don't really get that much of a relationship. They bought something off of you. You did Mm. something. It's done sort of thing. But other people too, most of my, clients are, are longer term clients I, I try to look after them mm. and I, I try to let them know that I'm looking after them however geeky or weird they may think I am they actually I think people appreciate that you're looking after them I of course it's in my interest for this relationship to grow for us yeah. to you know to be close together and, and whatever your IT needs are you know I, I try to look after that for you and, and 
you can't. I, I also, yeah, I think we came. We were talking about how looking stupid and stuff like that. I think there's again, perhaps it's down to ego or something. But you don't be afraid to look stupid. Don't be afraid to say you don't know. Because mm. I also think that most of my clients are not quite sure about that. I'll go off and I'll come back the next day and say, okay, oh yeah, I, you know, I've done a bit of research on that. So, so mm. I guess I've got a head start on IT. I don't know everything, but I know enough to be able to research something in a way. Oh, okay. That's how that works. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And actually, actually that doesn't quite work for you. What you need is, mm. is this sort of thing. So I, I guess. But it's yeah. tricky for you, isn't it? Because you've got, there is a, there's a lot about IT that, that I mean, it's a massive, massive thing oh, to. Yeah. Yeah, you can't keep up with all of it. You know, you, and whilst uh, I, I, I'm personally an expert in databases, which I haven't done, uh, I haven't built a database other than a very small one for, for, for a little project I'm on, which is, it's not really a database to me. It's a, it's a, it's a sort of really simple little thing, you know, web based thing. But, um, I, I've worked with big data and, and, you know, worked doing that, but I don't do it so much. No. No, because I've sort of wanted to be my own business. Mm. I guess sometimes it does push you into sort of jack of all trades mm. sort yeah. of thing because you sort yeah. of you're 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 weighing up paying the mortgage and paying your rent mm. versus I oh, this is the work I'd love to just do this sort of this type of work. Mm. Um, sometimes it's good though to shake it up a bit because from one side of IT you you then learn something that could then apply to to the the core skills. That you do over in the, in the area you're more expert in, I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think that's the same with anything. I'm sure that's the same in finance or or, or whatever you do. It's yeah. different products, or you know, you, somebody's a mortgage expert, uh, or they're this type of finance, or they're a shares expert, you know, capital mm. expert or something. But it's actually things there is crossover and stuff. So mm. yeah. of course, sometimes it's it's good. I, I, I subcontract a lot of stuff as well, so it's you have to sort of know enough to be yeah. able to know when people are doing a good job or not a good job i guess well actually that's the, I, I was speaking to a, uh, a guy on friday about that and what he said was don't do it all yourself yeah. there's no there's no need to do it all yourself no you know, so I, I totally endorse that, <laughs> that yeah, I, 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 I think i've learned the hard way that as well because you sort sometimes it's letting go there is yeah. a bit of letting go and yeah. you know you gotta in the end you have to let go and sometimes things don't always work out you get a bad egg but most of the time you, you from the bad eggs you learn how to pick out the good ones i think and you generally you get become a better judge of character mm-hmm. I, I mean this is sort of talking into employing people and and how how you yeah how you pick out the good people or using you know who do you use as your subcontractors i guess so. yeah yeah so how, as a, a lasting top tip right what in from a communication linguistic perspective what would be your number one piece of advice to somebody in business about their communication to their to their customers just be clear you know be, don't just be straight and clear you know i think it's it's know what you're selling because if you know if you do know what you're saying then you'll it's actually very easy to be clear about it i think mm. And you do know, I think most people do, we, it, it's a confidence thing perhaps, but, mm. you know, just believe in yourself and be clear about, well, look, this is what I can do for you. Mm. And sometimes I could imagine, of course, you get into the sales side of things and sales people can be very creative with the truth sometimes because, but it's their job to be, isn't it? But in the end, it's a bit short term, isn't it? I think it's, 
I don't really, myself, I don't, I want a, a sustainable, a sustainable small business, you know, and of course I'd love it to grow and I'd love to be able to have some more staff where I can sort of take more of a directorish sort of role. But I think to build that, you need to, yeah, I, I want to build that on a, on a very clear, simple foundation that, you know, this is what we offer. This is what we do. It's, you know, if you want something different mm. in the end, you have to think, well, okay, then they want something different. There's, yeah, yeah. It's hard sometimes because because there's some people that come in with all sorts of slick presentations, but they don't deliver anything. No. And how do you compete with that? Because the client won't know until afterwards, will they? No. Definitely. You know, and sometimes I'm a bit more, I don't know what the word would be, grassroots, but I'm a bit more technical and I'm a bit more, perhaps a bit more honest and sort of do myself out of business sometimes. But I don't. But in the long term, mm. I think that, that that has benefited me because I've got really good clients. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're actually, we've got a great trust relationship. Yeah. You know, and they know that sometimes that I'm not trying to just get an extra 20 quid on a little deal. You know, it's, 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 yeah. Because you always find these things out in the end, don't you? I, or generally, mm. you know, when, because it's happened to me, of course, I'm a business and people have sold me stuff and you think, you know, you get a horrible feeling afterwards, two months late and you're like, yeah. oh, you know, you. It was absolute, it was rubbish what you told me. Yeah, yeah. We've you know? all been there. We've yeah, been we've there. all been there and we've probably all done a little bit of it ourselves. You get a bit excited, you can get drawn in and you sort of think, oh, there's a sale. And, mm. you know, it's, but actually I think I've learned over the years, it's actually, you know, what I want is sustainable, nice clients, you know, and we do good business together and hopefully, you know, we both grow and, and, mm. and stuff and, and things happen like that, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So just... Just to finish off on, uh, we spoke about this on air, but actually it kind of ties in quite nicely because I was saying that I was very guilty at one stage of writing 10,000 words when actually only 500 or 1,000 was necessary. Yes. What, what are your thoughts on that, just to finish up on? I agree. Keep it concise. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to, it doesn't have to be short and bullet point, you know, because sometimes a more constructed argument is is what you want. You want a slightly more intellectual, nuanced argument mm. because not everyone, it's not just Facebook, boom, boom, boom. There's, there, there is perhaps that slightly more intellectual argument you want to provide to people. You want to show people that you know your stuff. But yeah, yeah you don't want the 10,000 words because who's going to read it? Who has no, time exactly. these days? We're not, you know, you we go off and we read one or two long things a week or something mm. at our leisure. You know, mm. it's... it's um unless you're an academic or something, you know, you don't, you're not sitting there reading these great big things. So keeping it concise. I mean, there is an art to that. It's, yeah. it's, uh, are there any resources that you could recommend? Um, yeah, I, I, that's, you caught me out. Um, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think it's just, you read a nice, there's a, you need a nice style of your own writing. I think. Yeah. You need to f develop that, I think. And, I think you just, just keep it concise. So, you know, it's, I mean, I tend to, I write the bullet points first and then fill in the prose. Mm. That's my way of doing it. I create a skeleton. It's almost like the essay plan in a way. Yeah. You know, um, and it's like, well, actually, I guess you've got to know what your angle is when you, I, I, it sounds a bit contrived, but it's, well, what's my little angle on this? Mm. Anyone can just rewrite a BBC article, you know, yeah. make it look, oh, it sounds good, but you use the same points. But it's like, well, actually, what's your thought on it? What's your opinion on it? I guess yeah. have a have a good opinion about it, and but yeah, keep it concise. Or if you're if you're writing to a particular market, yes, and and, and that I think goes down to how much research you've done a bit of research into that market. If mm. you know, I mean, it's almost if you want to win that business, mm. I guess 
what, and you're just going to ping off some random keywords that you picked up, yeah, yeah. then if you're lucky, you might get away with it, yeah? Mm. But actually, if you want to hit some of the brainier people in that market, if, yeah. if that's the type of thing you might, well, actually, you want to show them, well, I'm not pretending, don't pretend to be an expert yeah. in that, but yeah. show that you've you've taken the time. And shown some thought. Yeah, absolutely. That you've actually, well, I've gone off and done a bit of research and I, mm. I actually, I've subscribed to a few of these, you, you know, also, don't be afraid to get it wrong. Get it wrong, come back. Because people notice that, I think. If they listen, well, that's a load of rubbish, you know. But if you've come back then and you've worked a bit harder then, you sort of, it's, it's, people don't mind seeing how people polish their argument or something, I don't think. People don't mind how to see you grow. Yes. So if you're writing an article, a web page, or, a, you know, you're sending um, some, you're writing some literature to, uh, from a marketing perspective or anything like that, your, what you would do is for each of those elements, you would just summarize in some bullet points the key areas. Yes. And then, and then just fill out those, the gaps that between the, those bullet points, right? Yes. I think, I think that's a very, it's pretty much, yeah, it's like my essay plan, as I've called it, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's almost, so then it's like from that, those bullet points, perhaps that's your Facebook or your simple ad. If that's Instagram, you're like, oh, there's a picture with each one of those sort of thing. How do I tell that that story? But then, yeah, you then getting into a slightly more intellectual, thought provoking piece. Yeah, you fill it out, and so yeah. how do I convince you of that? Yeah, how do I convince you that I know what I'm talking about, or that I that I care enough about it that actually I think I have something to solve this problem for you? You yeah. know, is I guess you can sort of invent problems to solve them, can't you? But actually finding out what the problem is or seeing the hole in the market and then sort of explain it. Yeah, no, I think that's very well. You, you, you put it better than I did. Oh, no, I doubt it. Uh, Richard, you know, thank you so much. Oh, well, no, uh, yeah. It's been fascinating. It really has. So thanks very much, mate. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I very much appreciate it. Well, it's a pleasure. Cheers. Huge thanks to Richard for an impromptu podcast. What a really interesting conversation that was. And if you'd like to speak to Richard about IT or contact him about how he can help your business communicate better, then his contact details are in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple, Spotify, Google, and now Amazon. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening.